0: Continuing our series on the Sermon on the Mount. Anyone like the Sermon on the Mount? (laughs) It is the best sermon ever preached. And so there's so much we can glean from these teachings that Jesus uh, teaches us in the Sermon on the Mount. And so we are, last week Serena talked about the Beatitudes, and uh, we talked about these characteristics of what it means to be a believer, and in many ways it's the kind of the upside down of the things that our world values our world often values power and status and jesus comes and says no it's the meek who are going to inherit the earth it's the humble it's the the pure in heart so uh, these are the characteristics of those in the kingdom of god so today we're going to continue on matthew 5 13 to 16 if you have your bibles i want to encourage you today and throughout the series, to have your Bibles with us, with you, because we're going to be flipping through a few different passages, and I want you to to have it physically there. You can grab it on your phone, too, if you have it on your phone. Okay, Matthew 5, verse 13 to 16. This is a very, uh, we're just going to focus on verse 13 today, because there's so much in here that we can unpack. So, Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. And the word you here is plural. So he's saying, you all, the church, uh, believers, you all are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the salt of the earth. What does this mean? Salt. What does it mean that we are salt? today 's the day where we think about salt where there 's snow everywhere and ice everywhere. A way that we Canadians use salt is to actually trample under our feet. We do that on purpose <laughs> uh, so what does this metaphor mean? This metaphor has kind of puzzled people throughout the centuries and there's been i 've heard many different interpretations of what this actually means um, so the way we interpret words uh, just as humans is we we see a word and then we think of our own context around that word and then we read that into the scriptures. So as Westerners, as Canadians, we see salt and we think food, don't we? McDonald's. (laughs) Salt. I love salt. (laughs) That's immediately what we think of because that's our experience of salt, McDonald's, food. Uh, We use it to flavor our food. So I've read many interpretations of this passage and commentaries on this passage where they say, well, Jesus is saying here that as Christians, we bring flavor to the world. And it's like, oh, that sounds kind of cool and artistic. I like the way it sounds, but it seems kind of weird. What does that actually mean? We bring flavor to the world when we go out? I'm not sure. Uh, so we, this is often how we, we read a word and understand what it means. But this is not actually what Jesus is saying here. This is not actually what he's saying here. And I know that because in Luke, Jesus actually describes what salt is used for. So if we look at Luke's version of this story, Luke, flip to Luke 14, verse 34 to 35. Does someone want to read that out loud? Someone willing to do that? Derek, yeah? Nice and loud. Okay. What do you notice about that passage? What does he talk about in the salt, with the salt here?
1: No No food is mentioned. Yes, he doesn't
0: talk about McDonald's. No food. He says, the salt is neither fit for the soil or the manure pile. What does that mean? What in the world is he saying here? Um. What is he talking about here? We—any of you ever put salt in your soil when you're gardening? No, it's not really something we do. You try to try to pre-season. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. See, I'm not a gardener. I don't know. <laughs> I think regular table salt doesn't usually work well with plants, is what I've heard. Uh, but. So that's something we don't really, we use on our plants, in our, in our soil, well, usually, except for this kind of salt that <laughs> Evelyn's mentioning here. Any of you ever put salt on your poop? <laughs> don't raise your hand, please, if you have. That would be very strange. What is he talking about here? Salt for the soil and for the manure pile. So I'm about to blow your mind here, okay? When we think of salt, we think of salt that we have on our tables, And this salt is called uh, sodium chloride. This is one kind of salt. Many people don't realize that there's actually many different kinds of salt. So in Jesus' day, the way they would harvest salt is that they would go to the Dead Sea. Has anyone been to the Dead Sea before? If you've gone to the Dead Sea, and you can actually go swimming in the Dead Sea, and it's so buoyant because of all the salt that's in the, in the Dead Sea. It's one of the most salty places on Earth. So if you lay in there, I've actually had the privilege of going there. If you go and you just lay in the water, you just float, and you, it's so buoyant because of all the salt. But what people don't realize is that there's many different types of salt in the Dead Sea. And so I did some research And I went on NASA's website. For some reason, NASA is looking into this kind of stuff. But I looked up what is actually the the chemical makeup of the Dead Sea today.
1: And so this is what NASA said.
0: It said the mineral content of the Dead Sea is significantly different than that of ocean water. And it consists of, so this is table salt here, only 8% sodium chloride. That's table salt. It has 53% magnesium chloride. And it has 37% potassium chloride. So do any gardeners in here know what potassium chloride is or potash is? This is a salt that's used in gardening, in fertilizers. Sorry? In farming, yes. This is one of the most widely used fertilizers in farming, potassium chloride. And it's often used with other uh, ingredients to make potash, which we use in our gardens. Isn't that interesting when you start to dig into some of these things in scripture, it's so fascinating what, what comes out of it. So potassium chloride is used in plant fertilizers. It helps, uh, it helps with a lot of different functions in plants. It helps synthesize protein. Uh, It plays a key role in photosynthesis. It helps transport sugars uh, to the developing fruits and the roots. So it basically helps the plant produce fruit is what this salt does. Interesting, eh? Okay, now just to confirm this, and so you don't think I'm crazy, to confirm this point even more, in this passage it says, you are the salt of the earth. That's how it's often translated. Now the word earth in Greek is gay, and the word gay can also mean soil. It can be equally translated as soil, as well as earth. So in this passage, Jesus
1: Jesus says,
0: You are the salt of the soil. You are the fertilizer of the soil. Isn't that interesting? I found this so interesting while I was researching this. I was like, this is blowing my mind. This is a totally different way of understanding this passage than I've, than I've understood it before. So we are the salt of the soil. Okay, we'll come back to this. Now, this image of the dung hill, what does he mean? What does it mean to sprinkle salt on the dung hill?
1: Well, in that day, in Jesus' day, not
0: everyone was privileged to have nice toilets like we have today, right? They didn't have these shiny toilets and bathrooms and running water like we had today. Uh, So what you would do when you had to do your business, has anyone been camping up in Algonquin where there's no bathrooms? Yes, you do your business, you dig a hole, and you do your business in the hole. Sorry for going there this morning and getting graphic. This is just what you do. And in that day, a lot of people had to just dig holes, and that's where they would go to the bathroom. And what they would do is they would take salt after they'd finished, and they would sprinkle it on their business. And what this would do is that salt is an antiseptic. So it actually kills bacteria. And so what this would do, this would prevent bacteria from spreading and multiplying and causing sickness to break out. Isn't that interesting? So basically what salt does is it kind of comes up beside the bacteria and it sucks all the all the water out of the bacteria and kills it so uh, this is basically what salt does when you sprinkle it on on infections or on on poop that's what it does I didn't know this I found this really interesting you didn't realize you were coming to church for a biology and chemistry lesson this morning did you so interesting so what What does does this mean Salt naturally promotes the growth of good things and it naturally prevents the growth of bad things. Is that a simple enough metaphor? Salt promotes the growth of good things. It promotes the growth of fruit in plants and and it kills off bacteria. It actually prevents the growth of bacteria. And it does this just by being salt, just by being present in the soil, just by being present on the poop. It just sits there and it It has these effects. So, as a born-again believer, filled with the Holy Spirit and the pure word of God in your heart, your presence has the ability to positively transform culture and to destroy the work of the enemy.
1: This is the nature that
0: God has given each one of us. When we repent of our sin and we turn to Jesus and we are baptized, born again of the Spirit... We receive the pure word of God in our heart. We receive the Holy Spirit in our heart. And that is a pure word. That is pure salt that is in us. That's our new identity. We are new creations in Christ. So our very nature in Christ has the ability to bring transformation in culture. Once we are born again and we go out into culture and all of us go and minister in culture, we have the ability to produce good fruit in the world. We have the, the ability to go in areas where there's, there's evil, there's problems, and just our presence being there as, as witnesses of Christ, we have the ability to transform that culture. So this is the pos- identity that the Lord stamps on us when we become believers. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world is the next thing that Jesus says. Isn't that a, a, a very strong identity that the Lord has given us? Isn't that a huge identity? We are the salt. We are the light. That's crazy. That's a huge uh, position in the world, a status that the Lord gives us. Um, Jesus says this in, in John. He says to, to his disciples, he says, you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I also remain in you, and you will bear good fruit. I'm going to read that again. You are clean Not you are going to become clean. He says you are clean because the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I remain in you and you will bear fruit. Do you see what the principle is here? We often think of growing in godliness as eventually I'm going to finally get to that place where I stopped doing these things and I'm perfect, I'm morally perfect, everyone thinks I'm perfect, and then God will accept me. No, a lot of growth in righteousness has to do with understanding that we are already made clean by Christ, right? We are already purified by Christ. When we come into relationship with him and in unity with him, we are pure and made righteous. We are made holy, not because of what we've done, but because of his sacrifice. He declares us holy. He declares us pure salt. Okay, that's our identity in Christ. But, here's the but of the passage. The but of the passage, I want you to all focus on the butt, okay? Not that kind of butt. Focus on this butt. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? That's the but, that's the caution that Jesus is giving us. You are the salt, but don't lose your saltiness. Don't lose your saltiness. If you are a chemist, I don't know if we have any chemists in our church, but if you're familiar with chemistry, salt doesn't actually lose its potency. It's not like gum where if you chew on gum for a long time, it loses its flavor. The way that salt loses its saltiness is by being contaminated by other substances. So in that day, like I said, they would go out to the Dead Sea, they would scrape up all the salt that they could get, and if you had a guy who was kind of sketchy, and just wanted to make some more money he would often throw minerals in there or throw sand in the salt just to make it go longer and make it last longer and so he would contaminate the salt and maybe people wouldn't notice at certain times but if your salt became too contaminated it wouldn't actually help to grow the plants it wouldn't actually help to prevent bacteria from spreading because it's contaminated so in the same way jesus is saying don't become contaminated don't become contaminated by the world. You are pure, In I've declared you to be pure. Do not allow sin into your life. Do not allow contamination into your heart. Do not become polluted. So the principle, again, as a born-again believer filled with the Holy Spirit and the pure word of God, your very presence has the ability to positively transform culture and to destroy the work of the enemy if you are walking in purity if you are walking in purity, undefiled by the world. This is the challenge that Jesus is posing to us here. Now, another interesting fact about this passage in Matthew is that the word, when Jesus says, lose its saltiness, that word right there is the Greek word moreno, which uh, there's other passages in Scripture that also use this same word. And so we're going to read one of those passages, and I want you to see what this word is translated as so romans 1 verse 21 to 22. can you guys flip there with with me in your bibles romans 1 verse 21 to 22. i'll give you a minute there romans 1 21 to 22. all right almost there so here paul says Although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became morenos. What word is, what does it say there for you? Fools? Any other translations? Dark and confused. Interesting, it's the same word as losing saltiness. This word right here is morenos losing its saltiness in the Greek, and in this passage it 's the same word morenos becoming foolish so it's see the see the metaphor that Jesus is saying here if the salt becomes foolish, how can it be made salty again? If you walk in foolishness, if you walk away and allow sin into your life if you if you don 't live in wisdom, then we will become How how can we be made salty again? We're not good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled. Isn't this interesting? Isn't the Bible so interesting when we dig into it and we look at the history and we analyze it? The Bible has so many layers. It's such such an incredible book. Okay, let's hammer this point home by reading Mark. All right. Mark 9, verse 43 to 50. This is the passage where Mark is also talking about that same parable where Jesus is talking about salt. So this is the context of Mark when he uses this, uh, when he talks about this passage. Mark says, If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands to go into hell, where the fire never goes out. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut off. It's better for you to enter life crippled than to have two feet and to be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. It's better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and to be thrown into hell, where the worms that eat them will not die and the fire is not quenched. Everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can you be made salty again? Have salt amongst yourselves and be at peace with each other. What's the context here of of Jesus talking about salt again and losing your saltiness? Anyone want to share? Sin. Yeah, the context here is rooting out sin, taking the sand out, allowing the Lord to take that sand that's been mixed into your life out of your life so you can live as a pure salt in the world. So Mark is saying the same thing here. He's saying the same thing as in Matthew. We are the salt of the world, but don't let yourself become corrupted by sin. Don't let sin near your door. Even though we have the identity, the Lord has given us the identity of uh, we are salt, we are pure, we are clean through Christ. We still have the responsibility of rooting sin out of our life. We still have the responsibility of, if our arm is leading us into sin, to cut it off. Not literally, but you know what I mean. If there's things in our life that are leading us into sin, we have to be drastic with them. I think for so long as the church, we have been complacent with little sin creeping into our hearts. Sin doesn't just jump on us and say, oh, all of a sudden you're going to start robbing banks. No, that's not how it works. It doesn't just jump on you and say, okay, now you're going to go kill that person. Sin creeps in. It starts to creep in with a thought of, Wow, maybe that person's not as nice as I thought they were. Oh, wow, maybe that person is, has bad motives. Or it creeps in and says, no one's going to notice if I, if I take a little bit more money from, from this than I should. No one's going to notice if I take this. It creeps in. Sin is slow. It's gradual. And we have to be so diligent to hold the line and say, I'm not letting any impurity in my heart. I'm not letting any impurity near my door. And are we doing that? Are we firm in our resolution to say, no, sin is not entering into my life. I don't care what happens. I'm going to cut it off as soon as it comes near my door. And the scriptures say, if we resist the devil, he will flee from us. We resist him. That's what the Lord has given us the power and ability to do, is to resist sin and to say, no, I'm not coming near sin. It's not coming near my door. Peter says, God has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him. God has already given you everything you need for life in godliness by the Holy Spirit and by your knowledge of Him. Paul also says, If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. So I don't know what part of the message you need to hear this morning. We all have, we're all in different places in our journey with the Lord. Maybe, at, maybe you need to hear the message that you are valued by Christ and you are redeemed in him. Maybe you need to hear that you are the salt of the earth. The Lord has looked on you with favor and he has called you into his kingdom and he's stamped a good identity on you. He said, I make you clean by my word in you. You are clean in Christ. Maybe that's what you need to hear if you're feeling discouraged if you're feeling like, I'm worthless. Maybe the Lord wants to stamp that on you and say, you are clean in Christ, you are the salt of the earth. Maybe he's calling you to jump into the soil. It's very easy to become a believer and get saved and then just stay in the bag of sand and to say, I don't want to go out into the world, it's too crazy out there. It's too much crazy stuff and politics and angry people. I don't want to go out of the church. I don't want to go out of my my comfortable circles. Maybe the Lord's, he's taking you and he's maybe throwing you and saying, go into the soil. Go into the soil where it's dirty, where there might be poop. But that's where I've called you to kill that bacteria. I've called you to go into the world to bring about goodness, to kill off the bad stuff. Maybe that's what he's challenging you this morning. Or maybe he's inviting you to look at your heart and say, maybe maybe I have mixed in some sand in my heart. Maybe I am saved, but I... But, but there's been things that I've allowed into my, into my heart. Maybe there's sin that I've, thoughts that I've meditated on that I shouldn't have. Maybe there's things that, the, that uh, I know are not right, but I just feel helpless to overcome them. Whatever it is that the Lord's speaking with you this morning, I encourage you to, to meditate on that, to write it down, and to make a strong resolution to walk in holiness, to walk in holiness. So I hope that encourages you this morning. I hope it challenges you. And I hope that the Holy Spirit uh, invites you into this this understanding of who you are in Christ and to understand the the importance of living in holiness and living in purity. So let's close our time by praying together. And let's ask the Holy Spirit to, to show us what he wants us to see from this passage. Jesus, we thank you that your word is so layered Lord they're so deep and rich we thank you that your, even the metaphors you use are just so interesting and we thank you that you speak to us and continue to speak to us through your word Lord we value every word you speak and we want to take it to heart we want to live exactly by your word and Lord we know that you have given us the ability through your Holy Spirit to actually live according to your word these standards just feel so high sometimes, but we know that we can actually walk in holiness because of you, because of who you are and what you've done and what you're doing in our heart. So Lord, I just pray today that if, if any of us are carrying shame, Lord, I pray that you would remove that shame and help us to, to turn away from sin in our life. If there's things that we are, ways we're living in unrepentant sin, Lord, I ask that you would just convict us and draw us on the right path in your mercy. Lord, I pray if there's ways that we don't really grasp our identity in you, I pray that you would show us very clearly who we are. Lord, I pray that you would show us that we have your Holy Spirit in us, the the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. That same spirit with the same power is living in us. Lord, may we, you we renew our minds in that reality. So, Lord, we bless you. We thank you so much for the wisdom of your word. And, Lord, we just ask that you would help us to, as a body to live together in unity and to live together in a desire to seek you and walk in obedience to you. Jesus, we love you, Lord, and I thank you so much. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.